Welcome to the Scuba Podcast. I'm your host, Max McGuire, and the CEO of Scuba Clothing. Remember to buy your hoodies using code POD10 to get 10% off. Let's get into this. Okay, so today I'm joined by Yeskin Reese, a professional wrestler who has won several titles around the country and Europe, including the ITV WS Tag Team Championships. How you doing? Not too bad, Max. Not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, that's quarantine. Uh, it's not too bad. Mine's a little bit different than, than most people's. Um, as much as I'd love to say I'm a full-time professional wrestler, I do have a, a day job as well, which is working as a physiotherapist. Um, I'm not working in the NHS, um, but I, am, I do work for Nuffield, so I am going in four days a week um, doing my normal working hours as I would do any other time. Slight change for me, instead of seeing people face-to-face, I am doing it either via a, a, a virtual sort of Skype-type call, consultation, or over the phone. So, so yeah. Which class are you classed as a key worker? Oh, Grey area, I'd say, on the key worker. I'm not working for the NHS, but I am providing a service that is not essential, but is definitely worthwhile. So I wouldn't go as far. The claps for me, the claps on Thursday <laughs> aren't for me. I'll definitely go that far. Well, that's good. So, could you tell us a bit about your upbringing? You grew up with strict parents, both teachers, and your dad was a rugby coach for England in the 60s. How, how did that, like, build you as a man? So, yeah, um, strict parents, yeah, they'd probably, they'd probably just say they were firm, but no, they, you know, um, I think, different to a lot of kids, my parents, particularly my dad included, obviously he was working with teenagers, you know, his whole time, so he, he had a bit more of an understanding of what was going on with the sort of teenage culture, so we say, yeah. at the time, and stuff like that. Um, it was brilliant for me because ever since I was a kid, I've been mad into sports and my dad being a PE teacher, so in my back garden, I had a basketball ring, I had a football, a rugby ball, tennis rackets, cricket sets. So I was all, you know, always doing doing sports and then because my another part of my dad's job being a PE teacher was to do outdoor education and activities, we'd often go in our, in our summer holidays, we'd be going mountain climbing, uh, mountain biking, rock climbing abseiling, doing all these wicked cool things and stuff and like that. that's so, a cool story from your holidays that stand out? I've got a bit of a funny story. So um, when I was, I think, about nine, eight or nine, we were, we were away. What we'd be lucky enough to do, because my parents were both teachers, is we'd be able to pack up. We'd have a car, we'd have our mountain bikes on the top of it, we'd have a trailer with a big tent in the, in the back of it, and we'd go away for sort of five of the six weeks of the summer holidays. So we're in Austria, and... Um, there's a, a special type of mountain climbing called a Via Ferrata where back sort of early part of the century, mountaineers went up and they put like ladders, bolted them into the mountain and so you could climb. You know, It was an easy, easier way for people to, to climb the mountain, but I always wanted to do one. So my dad, you know, we planned it out that we were going to do it on this certain day and I got so excited that day when I got up. I was in my pyjamas, but I forgot to take my pyjamas off, so I literally put all my mountaineering clothes over the top of my pyjamas, went out, and then obviously, in Austria, in the summer, you get amazingly sunny days once the, the, the sun's up and it's going, but we left really early, because this, this was going to take all day, so as I got further up this climb, and I started to take the layers off, as um, my dad realised that I still had my pyjamas on, so that was quite embarrassing, luckily there was only the two of us there, it was a little funny story that so you were like 14 at the time. I wasn't 14 at the time, I was definitely not in double figures age-wise, so. When you were younger, you had um, a pretty successful basketball career. Yeah, absolutely, so again, going back to, to my dad being a PE teacher, I was lucky enough to be introduced to the whole variety of sports, and, and basketball was something, being slightly taller than most kids growing up, was something that naturally came came quite easily to me and obviously having the basketball um, ring and a, and a 
a little bit of a court in my back garden meant I could practice and do stuff that other kids didn't. And then when we were at school, it's a bit of a, again a bit of a funny story. I was always a kid that was known as a good basketball player. Then a mate of mine, he started playing for the local team and he got to be as good as me. And a bit of ego involved there, I couldn't take that. So then I joined the team, I think I was uh, 13 when I joined the team. And it just took off and it was just a real natural sport for me. I was lucky enough by sort of the age of like 15, I was playing under 15s National League, under 17s National League and under 19s National yeah. League. Um, and the team, because being in Gloucester, there isn't, you know, it's not like being in London where there's lots of teams about. We train, but we'd also play in the men's local league, like the Gloucestershire League. So I was sort of 14, 15 years old playing as full-grown men so that definitely toughened me up in, in the basketball sense and that's how I sort of progressed and I was just lucky enough being at school in England um, I went through the, the schools trials so I played for the county then then the area then the southwest and I, I went to the England trials unfortunately didn't get selected um, but uh, Luau Deng who ended up playing the NBA was there so that's the kind of standard of players that were selected ahead of me I was, however, lucky enough um, to be scouted by the Welsh team, and um, I played for Wales at under-16 level, um, and we were the first ever Welsh team to beat Ireland. Um, I competed in the Four Nations tournament, so with England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. We played a big tournament in London in the Lee Valley area, so it was a real sort of career highlight. And then I was lucky enough, um, when I finished school and I went to university in Manchester, I played for the Manchester under-20s. We won the National Knockout Cup and got to the national championship um, semi-finals and then I also played for the men's division three side as well so pretty successful basketball career um, you know I made some good lifelong friends out of playing as well so no it was, it was great you played for quite a lot of sports guys when you was younger didn't you yeah I mean again going back to you know dad being a PE teacher I just, I just love sports so yeah I played rugby for Cheltenham I played cricket for Gloucester City and cricket for uh, Sherdington growing up I played all the school sports for the school, you know, rugby, football, cricket, um, and athletics. Yeah, so I just I just love sport and, and you know, I just anything and everything, you know, get involved and, and go from there, basically. So when you was younger, did you know you always wanted to be a wrestler? Yeah, I mean, I, I got introduced to wrestling uh, probably when I was about six or seven years old. I didn't have Sky, and this is when... Wrestling had come off terrestrial TV before I kind of was watching TV and stuff like that, but my cousin had Sky, so he used to tape the wrestling, um, so he'd tape like the superstars, and then he'd get part, I'd go and see him once a month, once every couple of months, and he'd give me the tapes so he'd finish watching, and then I remember the one that he gave me that really stuck with me, and this is what sucked me into to wrestling, was WrestleMania, WrestleMania 7, so the match that got me fit got me like fixated with wrestling and I knew I wanted to be involved in it somehow was the Honor Warrior versus Matchman Randy Savage and and since then I always loved wrestling and I, I kept a close eye on it not having Sky TV made watching it difficult but I always had a kind of an idea of what was going on yeah. I didn't really think it was something you know I didn't really know about the British British wrestling scene and then when I finished university and I came home to, to Gloucester I'd kind of seen a few little bits and bobs on the wrestling channel which is an old uh, channel on cable TV um, so I just kind of googled like wrestling schools and there was one in Swindon uh, run by 4FW and I it was on Sundays and I thought you know what if I don't go I'll always kick myself if I go and I'm rubbish or the, the training's of a poor standard it's on Sunday and I haven't lost anything and that was 15 years ago now and I've been doing it ever since well, you take the message I like to say in the podcast which is like 
always say yes, take every opportunity you can, and that ultimately leads to your life. Absolutely, I think you know, like I said, I said, I said, you know, when I saw it was there, I thought, you know, we've got family in Swindon, I drive to Swindon all the time, it's not that far away. If I don't go and do it, I'll always kick myself. But going and doing it, you know, has, has given me, you know, this amazing opportunities that I've had. Do you remember the first time you walked into the academy? Did you have like, was it nervous? Uh, I was a little bit nervous. I had no, you know, I had no idea what I was stepping into. You'd kind of had an understand, you know, I kind of had an understanding yeah. of what re- what wrestling entails and stuff like that. But you you don't know. And I remember the first session I was there. The comp- there wasn't the ring wasn't there because they'd had, they'd run a show or done a ring job for the for a a show the night before so the ring wasn't there so we just trained on mats and you know and then the, the next time when I went back the following week the ring was there and, and you know that was a little bit daunting getting in the ring for the first time and stuff like that and it was an old boxing ring that didn't convert to a wrestling ring so if anyone knows a thing about the difference between boxing rings and wrestling rings the wrestling ring isn't a trampoline but it's definitely got more give this boxing ring was like Falling on a concrete floor, <laughs> so you definitely learn quickly how to do things the right way in the old boxing ring. Well, um, did you make like good friends that you're still friends with till this? Yeah, day? absolutely. I made I think lifelong friends with with some of the guys that I train with and and stuff like that, and guys that I speak to every single day and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that you know, alongside you know, in my sporting career, I made lifelong friends, and in my wrestling stuff, I've made made lifelong friends definitely. Remember your first match. I do remember my first match. My first official match was a tag team match, and I, I didn't wrestle as Yes and Reese. I wrestled as Tito, a Mexican. So I was underneath a mask. This was, was early on when I was, I was still getting trained. I was good enough to have a match, but I, I didn't have a, yeah. a persona or a gimmick or anything like that, and they needed someone to fill in on the show. So I did that. I wrestled two two matches under that uh, under that gimmick, and then I then wrestled as myself going forward did you have the time back then to go I, didn't have the t- I didn't have the time to look like a Mexican I was uh, I was wearing a pair of uh, shiny karate slash jogging bottom type things and a, and a Mexican mask it wasn't the, the most authentic uh, Mexican look so how many years did you spend training before you went searching for different companies to work for so I'd been training at 4FW for about nine months and then I started working for other companies and, and, and a little bit like that so in that sort of six to nine month period and then they'd all sort of come through 4FW and then I sort of started trying to branch out and trying to work for, yeah. for different companies and go from there basically. Yeah, and, um, you had a WWE tryout in 2010 yeah. which was your first time going to a WWE tryout was it like taunting? Uh, so yeah, it was 2009-2010 I had two WWE tryouts and that was they kind of came out of the blue. I turned up to work um, for All Star Wrestling yeah. in Swindon, and um, Drew McDonald, who was the, the WWE scout at the time, was there. I did my match, and after I came back, he sort of pulled me to one side and just said, "Look, you know, I think you've got something that potentially they could be interested in. Would you be interested in doing a trial? Obviously, you know, this is the world's biggest wrestling company. I was sort of like, yes, of course, and." And I went and... So the tryouts um, back then were, were very different to, to how they run now. Um, basically, we were there um, before TV, um, the Raw and SmackDown tapings. Um, we'd sort of be brought in and we'd be put in a, you know, we'd be sat in a room uh, and then someone would come in and say, right, guys, everyone get changed into your, your wrestling gear. Uh, we'd then sort of sit around by the ringside area for what felt like forever, but it's probably about an hour. 
hour and a bit until um, the uh, ta- talent relation guys, the wrestling agents, and then all of the SmackDown or all of the Raw roster came out. And then it was literally just standing in line, you, you, getting there and wrestle. So we were wrestling in front of, you know, the roster that, you know, we've been watching on, I've been watching on telly, 10 people for 10, 15 years, five years, whatever. So it was a bit of a nerve wracking uh, experience. Definitely. So it was pretty cool having those people watching you though. It was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think you, like, you want to impress them as well. So you yeah, I think they, I think they'd come out hoping that someone would make a bit of a tit of themselves and do something <laughs> stupid, do but, something. <laughs> but that, that is what it is. That? No, not that I can remember. No, <laughs> don't want to call no one out. Don't, no, I don't want to <laughs> embarrass anyone. Don't really. embarrass anyone if, <laughs> if anyone did make any mistakes so you actually did numerous WWE tryouts following that yeah so I tried out 2009-2010 uh, and then um, I got approached to do another try in 2017 this was more in the, the modern mold of the tryout so I say because NXT had become a a fully fledged, you know, the developmental system was very much um, up and running by then. Um, so we were. This was still an arena this time. It was in Manchester, and, and we were there before TV and and on both days. But we had to get there very early. It was more about running through training drills, ring awareness drills, a lot of fitness work with some matches on the second day. But this was much more about whether you could. Um, undertake the rigours and the strains of, of being a an NXT a performance yeah. centre athlete um, you know we had, was lucky enough to be run by Mr Regal uh, Robbie Brookside and Johnny Saint um, three absolute legends of the business uh, and it was just a, a great experience Am I right to say Mr Regal the big fan of your work? Um, I believe he was one of the guys that, that pushed for me to um, to get a tryout and stuff like that and um, We've kept in contact in the years since. He's been been very helpful with me and, and always offered great advice and 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 stuff like that. I've got, you know, I could definitely say that he's he's definitely helped me in in, yeah. in a massive amount in the last sort of three or four years. Definitely. So following that, you went and worked for WWS Wrestling for ITV. Yeah, absolutely. So it was an opportunity. You know, when 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 ITV one sort of call you up and say, yeah. uh, "Do you want to be involved in a, a project that's going to be screened on, you know, the the second biggest channel in the country or biggest quite channel, exciting, whatever?" I guess, yeah. It was quite exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, so the, it, it kind of came about. There'd been a pilot show, um, the New Year's two thousand seventeen to two thousand eighteen. I think, or maybe 16 to 17, I can't remember the exact, the exact time. Um, off the back of that, there was definitely some interest in, in getting a series. In the meantime, some of the guys that have been involved in, in that have got signed by WWE, so that opened up some slots on the potential TV roster. I had friends that were working there. They obviously put in a good word for me, and I was lucky enough to get a call from the the, the talent agents there to say that we uh, we want you on board. And when they sort of explained what the process was, I was, you know, over the moon. Yeah, so you won the... ITV Tag Team Championships while she was there. Do you yeah. remember that experience? Being there? Yeah, absolutely. So, that, you know, I got on board with the project, I signed all my contracts and stuff like that. And then when we had the, the meeting about where they saw the TV product going, they were going to put me and Kip Sabian together as a tag team, which was fantastic. Me and Kip started talking. We'd never really worked as a tag, we'd never worked as a tag team before, but we started, we were chatting and came up with a sort of what we'd like to do as a team and stuff like that. Then we found out that we were going to be involved in a, in a, in a knockout tournament. So, so in the first round we faced um, Martin Kirby and Joe Hendry. Um, we beat them, and then well, midway through the match they had a bit of a falling out. Um, second round match we faced uh, the team of BT Gun and Stevie Boy. 
a team very similar to the Rockers of 80s and 90s WWF fame. Uh, we got past them, and then in the final, uh, we faced Nathan Cruz and Adam Maxted. Um, all three of the matches were, were just great. I, I think that one of the biggest gripes or, or, or issues with the problem is with the program was the editing of the episodes and the matches. Wrestling is very much emotions driven. And I think that the, the person who edited the wrestling wasn't, you know, wasn't aware of uh, how wrestling is supposed to come across. Therefore it was edited much more just showing the moves. And I think that the emotion and the storytelling of the matches was lost. And I think this is what caused some of the shows and some of the matches to be not, received amazingly well by the the viewing public which is a real shame because i think if you'd have been there live or if you were able to put out the the full recordings of the matches i think that people would be really impressed with the um with the standard of the matches and the the overall look of the show basically it was filmed in an itv studio so it had that sort of studio tv sort of vibe which i reckon like kind of ruined it a bit not completely because it's still not yeah, a great tv show to watch but it changed like that wrestling it took wrestling away from it like sure that. i can understand what you're saying i think that um it was filmed in a, in a studio very similar size to the studio that nxt used at full sale yeah um i think that if you again if you if you were to watch the raw footage back you'd have a much better feel for it i mean you if you were there live at the shows it was really great the crowd were into everything you know that it was a you know it was a great experience i think that it just didn't come across as it should have done on TV, and I think that's what that's why it felt like a bit sort of TV micromanaged in a studio yeah. and stuff like that. I think that if you'd have been there live, you'd have seen there was a much more organic product project product. So everyone on the show went on to have like further success. Kip signed with AEW. He went on for another WWE tryout, and you went in the new UK Performance Center. How was that? So yeah, Kip, obviously, he's done fantastically well for himself, getting signed by AEW. Um, he's doing amazingly well on the show, and you know, I wish him all the success in the world. He deserves a fantastic talent. He's, you know, he's, he's going to be a top-tier wrestler for many years to come. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough. Um, I got offered another WWE tryout in 2019. This time it took place at the uh, WWE Performance Centre. Um, UK Performance Centre in London. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic experience, absolutely gruelling. It was definitely the, the hardest two days uh, I've ever been put through. I think, you know, when we did the tryouts that were similar uh, back in 2017, we had to stop at three o'clock because the TV setup had to, to take place. Yeah. At the Performance Centre, we were there earlier. We stayed much later and the days were, were gruelling and hard. But I was really lucky I got invited back uh, following the tryout to uh, take part in a week's training at the Performance Centre and be involved um, in uh, the live TV uh, filming. I was actually lucky enough to, to, to get to wrestle two dark matches, which are the matches for just the, the, the live crowd, not filmed for, for TV or anything like that. So it was an absolutely brilliant experience being at the Performance Centre for a week, being coached by some of the best coaches in the world, You know, getting criticised, but then getting constructive criticism and, and how to improve in every aspect of wrestling was just a just an unbelievable experience. I'm grateful I got the chance to to do it. Thank you for listening to part one of the Scuba Podcast. Make sure you go and stream part two on Spotify now.